Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 211 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be discussing Charles Oliveira's reasoning for turning down a rematch with Islam Makachev, Anthony Smith's response to Conor McGregor, Kayla Harrison's team facing cheating accusations, and we'll be previewing UFC Orlando's main card. But first... I got to ask you, do you think the U.S. is going to follow Canada's example of banning betting on UFC events? Because, boy, howdy, <laughs> Ontario Gaming Commission put the kibosh on all UFC betting today. I, I'm i going to say no, and I'll tell you why. Um, if we couldn't. If we couldn't do the right thing during a pandemic because money and capital were more important than the health and well-being of people, we're not going to do that over any sort of uh, gambling interference or anything like that. I don't think we're going to stop this. It's just going to keep going. And it's just eh, there's there's no there's no real reason to me that this will be when it comes to doing the right thing and having the other option of making bank. The United States government is always going to go with the latter. And that's just it. The UFC has already started taking some measures because these watchdog groups are not playing around. Probably the reason why gambling was illegal for so long in all the states outside of Las Vegas. I don't even know if all the states have accepted online gambling and online betting like this. I know that Texas recently did over the past, I think, four years, five years, something like that. But it's just been recently that the states have started adopting the the online gambling stuff. So we're in a precarious baby stepping stage. And if we're having this much problem already, I don't know. I think maybe commissions and things like that, the government might want to step in because there were a lot of politicians that didn't even want to legalize online gambling. So I don't know. I, I, I think I'm hung up somewhere in the middle of thinking that maybe we will, maybe we won't. I can't really say that we're not going to do anything though. Yeah, but Texas, I mean, barely counts as civilization. I this mean, is what, true. Are we, what are we accomplishing here? What are we doing here? <laughs> this is I mean, this is this is the barometer that we're what the fuck? No, don't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this is true. But anyways, I just think that this story has legs. And I know that we're covering it. And I saw someone put out a tweet saying that major outlets aren't covering it. Here's the thing. People are looking for hard copy. So they're looking on these websites, and if they don't immediately see one or two stories right on the front page, they assume no one's covering it. But they're not taking into consideration all the podcasts out there that are not being transcribed. There are tons, tons. Just type in YouTube. I mean, there are people covering this just because in your small circle of preferred media that you consume, you're not seeing it, doesn't mean other outlets aren't covering it, not Mm. just Bloody Elbow. So I kind of took exception with that, more on our part, because I feel that we do an exceptional job covering the tough issues, but we're not the only ones. And I, I just feel like, This space is already torn apart enough for us to start targeting each other and saying, you're not doing your job just because we're not seeing every single thing that they might be doing. I don't know. I just, uh, I guess this is just me being overly sensitive. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I see what your point is and I don't really want to, this is not the kind of situation where I'm going to, um, you know, start harping on other outlets. I mean, there yeah, are outlets that do know. deserve uh, scrutiny. And I'm not saying that that's what you're doing. I'm not saying no, that. Like, not at all. I, I'm trying to go the other direction. Right. Saying that 
other outlets are covering it. You're just not seeing it because you're not looking in the right places. I'm not saying all outlets are covering it either. No, There's that's true. There's a lot more work to be done. But right. to put everybody in the same category as not doing their job, except for the four, the four P, the four outlets you listed, that's bullshit. That really is. And, and it's, it's not, I don't know, man. This is just the sort of thing that keeps happening where it's like, well, how come we're not talking about this? Well, maybe some people, maybe some outlets are holding on to some stuff to have more extensive information later and more detailed information. I mean, that happens from time to time. You know, you don't, it's not a race. You want to make sure you get your information right. You want to make sure that you're doing a proper assessment of things. So you also have that to consider. And I kind of feel like that's something that both readers and, and uh, people from certain outlets also might want to just, you know, maybe, maybe hold off on this sort of thing. Just kind of, uh, you know, let people do their thing. And just if, if certain, if you don't like the way coverage is being done in a certain place, well, I mean, look, you have a wealth of options. You can go elsewhere. I don't know why this is, that there's any sort of controversy in any way regarding that. Yeah, for sure. MMA media leaves a lot to be desired, but there are outlets doing the work. Mm, that's true. Uh, all right. So anyways, we're going to jump into our first news topic and Boy, oh boy, Conor McGregor just stays in the news, doesn't he? He's got a habit of that. Yeah. Yeah. This, if you remember last week, Victor did a story and he talked to us about Anthony Smith talking about Conor McGregor and his physique and his take on it. And Conor McGregor replied back, he was self-righteously indignant i won't even say righteously indignant because there was no righteousness there but self-righteously indignant yes <laughs> he was all in his feelings about this and called him a, a fucking rat and this and that so now anthony smith has replied to all of the uh the hate that was slung his way by conor mcgregor so he's on the Believe You Me podcast. I don't know if everyone knows, but he is now the co-host with Michael Bisping. And they were talking about it. And this is what he had to say. If there's something out there that could help me heal that I could do legally, I totally would because I would heal a lot faster. But it's not even his reasoning that I'm questioning. What bugs me is that guys like Anderson Silva and guys like Chris Weidman and myself have had lots of bad injuries, and we didn't have the ability to just step out of the USADA pool, get yourself healed, and then come back with no repercussions. Did he break any rules? You're the one who played the devil's advocate this thing. You said technically he's not breaking any rules. That's because different rules apply to him. I don't have that capability, or at least I didn't think. Now, USADA has stated that Conor McGregor would need to complete six full months of mandatory testing before he is eligible to compete again. And they also said that they didn't see any reason for him to get an exception to reduce his testing time. So, Victor, I got to get your take on this. Is Anthony Smith right? Yeah, I, I, you know, I got to side with him here. You know, I see what he's saying, and he's absolutely correct. Obviously, very clearly, there appears to be preferential treatment because we didn't see this sort of thing happening with, as he noted, right, as he mentioned, uh, Anderson Silva or Chris Weidman. And those guys had horrific leg breaks, like the spaghetti leg kind of uh, leg break that, you know, their, their leg wrapped around the other guy's kind of leg break. Um the, what else really can you ask for in this situation that a bit of fairness? I mean, why was that not a something that was allowed? Why was that grace not extended to those guys? But yet in this case, you know, you get the biggest and most bankable star. Well, yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot more scrutiny. Of course, there's going to be a bigger outcry for this guy to simply just not be part of the testing pool mysteriously. And then he acts like he's deciding when he gets to join the testing pool and fight again. I don't know, man. It just doesn't look good. It's not a great – just purely from the level – even if McGregor and the UFC and all parties involved aren't doing anything that's you know, quote-unquote wrong – 
it all comes back to optics and it all comes back to a matter of fairness because that's ultimately what Anthony Smith is is most uh, concerned about here. And he's absolutely right. We didn't see that with these other guys, but it's happening with this guy. And on top of that, he's being indignant about it. That's the worst part. He's acting like a spoiled brat when this sort of thing gets pointed out. And yeah, I mean, of course, how else is he going to handle it? McGregor's not going to have an, an ounce of decency when it comes to addressing things like this because everything is a slight everything is an attack and you know to to invert a uh a, a, a saying right now as a nail everything looks like a hammer so now he's gonna have to lash out for every little thing that he perceives to be a dig at him even if it's not and that's kind of where he's at and i doubt that he's going to change that attitude at all if ever so you know uh, it's it's not going to happen soon uh, and 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 this is the reality of what we're dealing with here and smith is right what i'm just a little uh, concerned about the ufc management this is where you have a, another level of concern because they're not saying anything what does that tell you what does that tell you when they're not they're not even out there defending there's no pushback on their part they're just hoping for this to blow over because i'm sure somebody's going to keep asking i'm sure at some point somebody's going to keep bringing this sort of thing up and it's not just going to be smith that's true. Low key, best insult ever. As a nail, everything looks like a hammer. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Come on. It's, it's, but it's just the a... perfect. It is the perfect insult. And it's so low key that most people wouldn't even catch on a little bit there. But man, what a way to describe Conor McGregor. I'm trying. As I'm really, nail, I'm just trying. Everything looks like a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Even in the courtroom. You are not the hammer, Mr. McGregor. <laughs> I gotta I gotta agree with you and, and Anthony Smith. It does seem like preferential treatment is happening. Why are we not aware if there is a TUE? There I mean, shouldn't we know that? Shouldn't that be available for all the other athletes out there that are competing mm-hmm. that could possibly compete against him? I just don't like the the whole thing. The the situation stinks and it's not on Connor. Connor's just taking advantage of the situation that's laid out before him. This is completely on the UFC and USADA and something should be done. But something should have been done five years ago when the words the UFC has partnered with USADA were uttered. Because that should have never happened to begin with. How are you going to pay the watchdog group that's going to monitor your athletes. You can't do that. Conflict of interest. I'm sorry. It was never good to start. And not only that, I mean, like I can understand like, well, the finance engine has got to keep running in some capacity. Like, okay. Like let's, let's overlook that big hump right there. Okay. Let's just put that aside for a moment. You look at the way these things have been handled. You go all the way back to Kung Lee. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I'm referring like that kind of thing. It's just what what do you do about this? And they're not going to untether themselves from this. It seems like there's some form of value to this partnership that they just don't want to uh, terminate it for whatever reason. And that's 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 just uh, something that's going to continue. I doubt that they'll ever separate from from this whole situation. And uh, it leads to mishaps like what happened with Paulo Costa getting I mean, dude, he's cutting weight and you want to draw blood. You really you, you really want to take a urine sample now of all times. Like, come on, man. It's ridiculous. It really is. Yeah. Now, speaking of ridiculous, we're going to move on to something that, frankly, is something that one would hope we would see a lot less of these days. And it's going to do with our new recently crowned PFL women's lightweight champion, Larissa Pacheco, who not only managed to shock everybody with her uh, victory over Kayla Harrison, Knocking out the 0-2 deficit, coming in and looking phenomenal in that fight, doing some real, uh, making some major improvements to come out on top, get the million dollars, and have the highlight of a career, possibly of her life right there, right? I mean, this is life-changing money on a major stage and in a big promotion, and yet it's been bittersweet because, unfortunately, despite being openly out due to as far as her sexuality is concerned, uh, she has received a ton of abuse in turn because of that. And it's really gotten to the point where 
you know, she's handled this previously in a manner where it, it, she would dismiss this out of hand, but apparently it's gotten to a level where it has become unbearable. And in a recent interview with Gombate in Brazil, she had the following to say about it. I think it's ridiculous. It gets to a point where it really pisses you off, but it's ridiculous. But I don't care. I never did. It doesn't affect my life in any way, but it's ridiculous to see that people go out of their way on social media to undermine your work. I was more upset that they undermine my abilities as an athlete than my appearance. I couldn't care less. I'm comfortable with myself. They do that to bother you. The worst part is that it comes from other Brazilians, people who should be rooting for us to win. They should be able to see my fighting abilities and not just my appearance or sexual orientation. It's not just in the LGBT community. I think that prejudice just shows how evil and dirty people are. All we want is our space. I don't want to be known for my sexual orientation. I want to be known for my qualities. We need to stop judging people on that. We have to hire people based on their abilities to do the work with quality, and I do. I want to be recognized for that. What I do outside of that is no one's business but my own. Can you make a case any better than the way she's laid it out right here? Is there anything else really that they could fit that right there? What more do you need? What more can be said than what just the, the eloquence of her defense mm. is is marvelous. And I'm I'm very happy for her to be able to number one, handle this with the aplomb that she has, and number two, to be able to verbalize it and, and put this in that framing to ensure that there's no gaps and to really just put things uh, as a matter of equality, which is really all this is. Mm-hmm. But it still remains upsetting that you'd think, you'd think that there'd be a little less of this. Because look, let's be real. We haven't seen outside of maybe Shad Smith, we haven't really seen any gay men openly gay men in MMA. And that's because it's a very homophobic culture, at least when it comes to men, when it comes to anything that is a perceived threat to masculinity, that becomes a much more conflicting thing. We don't see as much of that with women. We've seen plenty of women in the UFC that are homosexual as well, or maybe bisexual. It's never been a topic of conversation. It's never been brought up as a thing other than maybe for celebrations of Pride Month. I mean, we've had Amanda Nunes as champion. We've got Liz Carmouche as champion in Bellator. They don't get any stick for that, at least not on a major level, not to a point where there is some sort of a high or a widespread harassment or anything on that in, in that category. And it really is a, a, a real shame because look at what she just accomplished. Look at what she just did and the odds that she had to overcome in order to get here. Everybody wrote her off, including me. And I'm, I'm sure I mean, it might not mean that much in the grand scheme of things. I'm an absolute idiot. But, you know, man, look, you, 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 you saw what the numbers were. You saw the deficit. You, we all saw what happened in those previous two fights. What were the odds that she would be able to come back and beat Kayla in the way she not only beat Kayla, but to do so in the manner in which she did and to make it definitive? It might not have ended in a finish, but she was clearly a winner. And to do that and to yet have your party spoiled or at least have people attempting to spoil it. Because of this, over something that has no bearing on the fights whatsoever, something that does not diminish her abilities or her skills as a fighter, nor her character as a person. Obviously, if you're listening to us, you already know where we stand on this sort of thing. You kind of have an idea where we lean on subjects of this sort, right? You know that we don't tolerate homophobia or anything like that. But it just – it bears mentioning because I think there's something something distant that perhaps – we might have overlooked in this situation. Because as I mentioned, we don't see women getting stick for this sort of thing very often. But that this happened to her and that, that it happened with other Brazilians, that's even more shocking to me. Because generally, and obviously no country is a monolith, but generally Brazilians are very proud of their fighters. They celebrate their successes far and wide. Why this is happening to her, I can't quite really put my finger on. I don't really understand why that's the case. I doubt that Amanda Nunes gets this kind of flack. But it really is rather sad to me. And I, my heart goes out to her. I really wish that, that she didn't have to go through all this stuff. And in fact, she doesn't have to. I mean, obviously, that's not something that, that anyone should be subjected to based off of this. Um, I'm, I'm just curious. Where do you think – do you have any, any inkling as to where this comes from? And do you think that – were you maybe taken as off guard as this? Because I thought that at least in the case of the women, this was something that would be less uh, – something that would be judged for a lot less and, and maybe getting a lot less criticism for. I don't even understand. But the space, maybe I do understand because this is an awful space. It really yes. is. MMA Twitter, MMA social media in general, the space is – fraught with fans and i'm using that in quotes because i don't understand how someone can be a fan of the sport and still have these antiquated views 
in this year, 2022. It's awful. And I, I can remember some stuff from when Tisha Torres and um, what, um, what's her wife's name? Uh, Raquel Pennington. Raquel Pennington. I kept wanting to call her pa Raquel pa Palouli. Palouli, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, Raquel Pennington, when they first came out with their relationship, I mean, to tell you, some of the comments in, in social media about those two were just disgusting, specifically directed towards Tisha Torres. And, you know, because she's, um, well, she's got that little body on her, you know, and there was a lot of comments, gross stuff, too. It's not always um, super acrimonious. Some of it is just really vulgar. And this space is just notorious for it. I mean, we still have a culture where people say, say but no homo. That drives me nuts. <laughs> oh, God. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that is true. The, the no homo bullshit. Like, really? You're that insecure that you got to put a qualifier right. on a compliment. Like, come on, man. I frequently pal around with the girls in, in the ladies chat, and we flirt with each other all the time. But we don't have to put the no homo on it or anything like that or don't worry I'm married or don't worry I've got a boyfriend or whatever. There's there's no need for it because we already know. Man, yeah. there are so many people, so many insecure people in this space. And Victor, you, you, yourself and, and others, ex some others excluded. But for the most part, the MMA community at large has a lot of insecure men. It does, and I've I've joked around that, you know, people talk about how MMA, if you're if you're if you're un, uh, unaccustomed to when you're watching it, oh, this looks gay. We've all heard that, mm -hmm. you know, at, at some point, right? And I've always joked around that it's not gay enough, yeah. but in this instance, yeah, I kind of mean it, right? Because we don't see more representation. The fact that there's not a single guy other than Shad Smith who was never like an A level, never an elite level right. fighter, and that's not a slight to Shad. I mean, look, we just I think he would agree that that his place in in the sort of ladder of things was never of that being a guy who would be like a champion in a major organization. I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just saying that he's he's just a regular dude who's who's had a fairly successful career, some pretty good wins, and you know he's he's just a dude who's been bouncing around. But it took someone like him coming out, and and it was just like okay, so he's like the guy, the only guy. How does that statistically make sense to you? Look at all the women that are in the UFC and Bellator and all these other organizations that are clearly out, right? And you're going to tell me that there's no proportionate like, – are you serious? How many dudes are out there that are closeted? And I just – I feel bad for the first dude that comes out who's actually like en route to being a champion. Yeah. I feel terrible for that fucking guy because the abuse that that dude's going to deal with, you got to wonder if it's going to be worth it or not. You know, I mean, it's just given the kind of harassment and the aggressive nature with which people will hound folks, will send death threats. I mean we've seen people do that for far less you know, for for far less you know perceived egregious things. Imagine someone who would think, "Oh, this guy, oh, he's he's promoting." Just just look at how fighters talk about trans people. Oh yes, and then and, yeah, there's this story that came out. It was either earlier this year or last year about an Asian fighter. I want to say maybe it was One FC Glory, one of the the Muay Thai organizations, something. He said that he worked as a sex worker in between fights to make yeah. ends meet. And yeah, the, the comments guy. on that story were ruthless. What you're the point you're making here is so true. I mean, the insecurity is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and that was I remember that story because it also reminded me of Dakota Cochran. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, I kind of got to give partially. I got I partially got to give the UFC a little bit of praise because when he ended up on the Ultimate Fighter, they didn't make a big stink out of that. They didn't. They didn't have anything. You know, it, it was just sort of like brushed on, and they didn't really do any sort of, um, at least to my memory, right? I don't think that there was any sort of uh, judgment uh, put upon him by production or anything else like that. And you know, to his credit. You know, because at least in my view, sex work is work. I mean, it is basically just another job. If you really, uh, I understand some people disagree with that, but I mean, if, if this guy went out there and made, as he claims, $80,000 in a year and he bought himself a house with that money and yeah. he set up a college fund for his kid with that money. Hey, listen, 
get that paper. He probably made more money off of that than fighting in MMA. <laughs> if, if that guy doing gay porn is making more money than you getting your head bashed in, then you got some, you got to really reassess some shit, my guy. That's like if that bothers you that this person is doing with their body, what they choose as long and look, it all comes back. Like in my, this is my own thing, right? I have a thing called the cap rule, right? Cap C A P consenting adults in private. I don't give a fuck consenting adults mm. in private. As long as I don't have to see that shit in the public square, as long as I don't run the risk of my son seeing some sexual activity, I don't care what orientation it is. I don't want to see people out there sucking and fucking in the park. You know what I mean? I don't I don't care about. But anything else past that, if money is to be exchanged for two people or even more to engage in sex acts and and for that to be distributed in 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 uh, in, in a marketplace, I that I don't have to see that. That's not just neither do you. If that upsets you, hey, you know what you do if you don't like gay porn? Stop watching it. What are you doing watching it so much? What are you doing watching it so much? That's the problem. And I brought up the trans stuff because uh, and I obviously these are these are these are separate in, in a way, but in a matter they're not because when it comes to the topic of sexual minorities, all of this is looked upon in 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 American society at large as deviants. And that's why you'll see stuff like this groomer panic and all this litter box bullshit that people are spreading. That, that, that this is just anything that is not heteronormative is viewed upon as such, such as as completely perverted and wrong and all this other stuff. And they will try to tag anything that's negative at it. And that's just again, it's like we're regressing as a society. And that's what I'm seeing here. And yes, a lot of this did come from, as she mentioned, some of the Brazilians, but. I don't think that 100% of that was Brazil. I'm sure that a lot of this abuse came from other people because guess what? She fights for a U.S.-based organization. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of this came from other places due to their international deal and the way that fans are. So uh, the, Actually, the, the phrase think... you use, people going out of their way, that's just like, dude, what the fuck are we doing? Ugh, I got to get off of this topic before I get really upset. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, listen, you don't... It's worth it's, getting upset over it, really. Is. No, no, no. I, I understand. Hey, listen, and I got upset, too, when I when I was reading about this. Like, what, what the hell are we doing? Mm -hmm. Like, usually, usually, women kind of get a little less... Right, and that's why... That's, that's what that's got what me. Like, for back. real. Yeah. Damn, we're moving back, for real. Like, this is crazy. Yep. Mm. Anyways, we're going to move on, and I'm going to uh, share a story with you guys that took me by surprise, because I did not know this. For all of you out there, and I was in this same grouping, that were pissed off that they made Islam Makachev versus Alex Volkanovsky without thinking about making the immediate rematch. Guess what? They tried to make the immediate rematch, and we just didn't know it. Oh, wow. Yep, yep, yep. In an interview with Super Lutas, um, Charles Oliveira's uh, manager and coach, Diego Lima, the UFC had uh, offered them a booking date for January 21st. That would have been UFC Rio, UFC 283. So he gave this interview with Super Lutas and he explained why they turned it down. When we were going to face Makachev, we showed a lot of interest in fighting him in Rio. One week after UFC 280, the UFC got in touch with us. They gave us the opportunity to fight Makachev in Rio. They have always been really good to us. We have really good talks. It was up to us to accept or not. I talked it over with Charles. He's not injured, but there's an emotional stress. It's way beyond physical. Charles is the only fighter that has faced all the top five guys within a year. Champs normally hide. They want to fight once a year. That's not Charles. But Rio is way too close now. We prefer to give Charles a well-deserved vacation. So I agree because that would be right at the two-month mark between fights. Yeah, I don't think I would like to see that. Um, I want to see Charles get a break. They're right. He has fought five top five opponents and let me see here i don't know if it's right at a year maybe a little over a year but he has fought a, a really really busy schedule so i don't mind them taking a breather and i like that they they mentioned that he's under some emotional stress he just had a 14 fight streak broken he just 
lost the belt that he only got to hold for a brief second. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's so much at play here that I agree. I'm glad they didn't put him right back in there. I want him to have a few months to rest, recuperate, gather his thoughts, you know, do do some vacationing type things, do the things that we're watching him do on social media right now. He needs it. He's had a very, very busy schedule. Victor, what do you think? Yeah, he, he look, when you run that kind of pace, you got to give the guy some time. Like it, maybe that's what he needs. Maybe a break is what's going to be able to refresh him and get him where he needs to be because it's already uh, – you, you run through that string of fighters and you put on the caliber of performances he was putting on, the heartbreak of losing the belt on the scale – through no fault of his own, really, in the sense that the organization didn't have to strip him like that. I don't think that was – it wasn't the commission that did that, you know. So um, it's tragic. It's a shame. It's it's a, it's really messed up to see that he didn't get the um, – I guess the the sort of uh, legacy that he, that he would have wanted to extend here. And look, Makachev, not taking anything away from him, but – Maybe, just maybe, Oliveira running through these guys and doing all this shit. Like, after a while, you do maybe burn out. I don't know if that was the case here. I don't want to, like, delegitimize anything that Makachev accomplished because he did put on a hell of a mm -hmm. performance. But at the same time, it's like, you got to kind of understand, man. You got to give him a chance to run it back when he's done what he did, even if he didn't hold the belt for that long. Now, obviously, there's no obligation for anyone to enforce that. But if he decides and his team decides that they want to take a step back, then good for them, I guess. Let them have, like you said, right? Let them go to do the thing that all the Instagram hotties are doing. Go to Santorini and pose with some grapes. You know what I'm saying? Go go dive somewhere in the Maldives and 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 collect seashells. I don't know what the hell they do out there. I don't care. Go to go to go to Thailand or whatever, and go to fight circus and do a juggling act. And just do something, something that isn't this. Maybe that's what you need to just sort of take a. a nice bit of a, a, a not too extended break heal from a lot of the wear and tear that you've been putting yourself through and then try to see where that brings you you know they can focus and, and have a bit of a different perspective on things and maybe that'll help out it's a reward for a bunch of other guys maybe it'll work for him now i looked up his record his last four fights right around 18 months so that's where we're at there you go. There you go. There you go. Long, long time. There you go. Well, somebody who will be taking a break, and this is where we're going to circle back to Larissa Pacheco. Uh, she basically has a bit of downtime between now and the next year for the uh, next PFL season. But in the meantime, there's a bit of controversy that resulted as of what took place in the finals against Kayla Harrison because, as we found out on the MMA Hour through uh, her translator and manager Alex Davis – uh, there was a bit of a problem with the cornering, namely with their, uh, the manager of Kayla Harrison. I'll give you three guesses as to who that is. See, here's what took place. So, so Davis goes out there and he's explaining to Helwani what took place with the uh, cornering. And essentially, Ali Abdelaziz was dipping his spoon into the broth and it uh, kind of disrupted things to a degree. Quote, in this certain circumstance, people have to understand there are two corners, the red corner and the blue corner. So what happened, what happened there was the manager came to the neutral side and started giving instructions. There's two problems with that. One, you're giving her instructions. It's a third corner. Second, Larissa cannot hear her corner because you have someone yelling near and he was getting right up to the cage. It's all on video. Everybody sees it. This kind of stuff has to be stopped. He walks up blatantly and starts giving instructions from there. Then I got up and told him, go back to your corner. Then he tells me, go fuck yourself. Then I went to get the official. The official went up to him, and he brushed the official off. Then I went and got the commissioner. All during the fight, and I'm in Pacheco's corner. With my fighters, I'm not going to permit this. I will go to war. These people work too hard for what they do for us to take illegal advantages, especially managers. We're here to assist them. What are we doing getting involved in things like that? If he was in the other corner, that's fine. And yeah, I mean, can you dispute that really? There's video of Ali doing it, courtesy of Twitter user extraordinaire spinning backfist. Uh yes, he literally went up and he told he told the dude to go fuck himself in 4K. For what? 
For what? For why? What did you accomplish with this? It didn't change the result of the fight, which must have been extra salt in the wound. Of course, in that situation, you can't really celebrate because the person who ended up being harmed was Kayla Harrison and not the person who was perpetrating the uh, illegality in this situation. And let's not mince words here. That was 100% blatantly illegal. You are not supposed to be doing that. You don't stand in the spot that you choose to to shout. They have the corners for a reason. They have the neutral spots for a reason. But Ali Adelaziz, much like he did in World Series of Fighting, is doing whatever the hell he wants with PFL. And really, the New York Commission, I'm not sure if they're really going to have the teeth to do anything like that. They've bungled so many instances of pretty much everything, whether it comes to weigh-ins, whether it comes to medicals, whether it comes to things that happen during fights and bad refereeing, bad judging, all of that. My question to you is, now that this is on video and proven, Will they take any steps for this? Can they take any steps on this? Because I don't have any faith in PFL having any discipline issued towards Ali regarding this sort of situation. Do you think that the commission would intervene and maybe put some sort of uh, put their foot down to to some degree? And what does this say? Would any other commission let this slide? Nothing's going to get done, especially from the PFL side. I doubt the commissions are going to get involved, too, because... The the complaint is kind of minor. However, when he clearly disobeys the, the command to get the hell out of there, that's kind of screwed up. But it's Ali. And he has a super close relationship with the UFC, who has a super tight stranglehold on all the commissions, pretty much. Look, there are some commissions out there, specifically the New Jersey and Ca- California Athletic Commissions, that do not been to the will of the UFC, but for the most part, the rest of them do, especially Las Vegas. I don't think a damn thing is going to come from this, but it, it sure does have an ugly look to it because when I watch that video and, you know, the little clips, man, that that's awful. It looks really bad and it, it has conflict of interest all over it constantly. Everything with Ali has conflict of interest all over it. Hey, he wouldn't he wouldn't sign up for it if he didn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Anyways, it is time for us to get into UFC Orlando, which is a damn, damn good card. But first, we're gonna do a quick memory lane walk to our weekly picks recap. And Mookie and I, once again, tied for first. Victor, your pitbull pick. Unfortunately, Major two and two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mookie and I went three and one. You went two and two. The updated standings. Mookie is still in the lead. 130, 77 and three. I am behind him by five. 125, 82 and three. Victor, you are right behind us. 113, 94 and three. Oh, yeah, right around the corner. Yeah, right next to you guys. Sure. Yeah, it's equal footing. Jesus Christ! You're right, right there. The proximity just—it just—it just baffles me. I love it. Good stuff. It's I respect it because it just—it just, it belies a level of optimism that I, I I aspire to, and this is good. All right. All right. So, Fucking Christ! <laughs> Did I I'm not trying. tell you? Did I not tell you too? That this wasn't going to be good. Did I not tell you that this was going to be like at some point? Oh, he's gaining steam. He's coming at it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, uh. <laughs> Do you have your little leg on the side of the track pushing your little cart along? Yeah, I'm on the hand cart going up and <laughs> that's down. What I'm Arr- Arr- that's not steam you're seeing. That's me blowing smoke. I'll uh. give you three guesses what that's from. <laughs> choo choo. That's Zaza, baby. All right. Our first fight on deck. We are only going to break down the main card because this is a 15 fight card. And Jesus it's Christ. From top to bottom, it <laughs> what really the is. Hell for? Yeah, but it's a good card. It really is. So yeah, but it's going to be like nine hours. I don't know. What the f- I know. They do it 15, man. As bad as they are with their scheduling and pacing, Jesus Christ. They got some good ones, though. I ain't going to lie, though. They, they, got some, they, got some, they got some bangers. They really do. I mean, I actually left off Amanda Hebosh and um, what's her face? Um, oh, my God. I can't even think of her name right now. Now I've got to go. Tracy Cortez. Yes, Tracy Cortez. I want to call her Mrs. Ortega. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't blame you. But listen, Yasmin Jaregi and, and Estela Nunes open yeah. in the card. That's a banger. 
it really is. There's so many good fights on this card. Mm -hmm. But in the interest of time, we're only going to do the main card. So the first fight is Eric Anders and Kyle Dalkaus. Victor, mm. give it to us. I don't know, man. I mean, Eric Anders, I think he's a little inconsistent. I just, I, I like the guy and everything. I like seeing him fight. Uh, he's definitely going to have a power and, and like a, something of a size advantage due to ha carrying more mass on his frame. But Kyle, he's got that jujitsu. His boxing is a little slick, although his defense might be compromised. And I kind of worry about that. But I guess I'm going to go with the homer pick. I'm going to go with Kyle. All right. Well, I am also going with Kyle Dalkhouse and Mookie is as well. So we're going to move on into our next fight. Jack Hermanson versus Roman Delice. This is a good fight. I like this fight. I have no problems with it whatsoever. Delice has them heavy hands, but Hermanson, man, he's got that very technical boxing, good grappling. Oof. How you going, Victor? I want to pick Jack. I really think that he's got a, a very well-rounded game in, in some measures, but his boxing can fall apart if you pressure him on a certain level, the way we saw against Costa, for example. And I think Roman can do something very similar because he's got that striking threat. Plus, he's really good at defending takedowns and he's not a slouch on the ground. We got to change his nickname, though. We got to come up with something better than the Caucasian. I, I don't, I, I don't, it, it just, like, that's like a little too generic. It's like calling him, like, I don't know. The cab driver. Like, what do we really, like, eh, I don't know. It just seems like a little a little uninspired to me. But, hey, he's 11-1 and one for a reason. This is a step up in competition. He did have, he, or he has had some impressive performances in the UFC, save for his one blemish against Trevin Giles, um, which, you know, was a very scientific performance. But I don't know that, I, I guess this is where we find out if he's, ready for this particular level and it's a uh it says a lot about how management views him that they're putting him in this spot um i i think i'm gonna go with him despite my better judgment in picking the more experienced fighters so i'm just gonna take a flyer on it whatever i'm gonna go roman well the last time you did he won and he won emphatically so it's not like you're making a, a long stretch by picking delete i'm gonna stick with hermanson but I would not be surprised if... Oh, no, no. Listen, I, I, I freely admit to being reckless. I'm not stupid, but I'm very, very reckless. <laughs> but that's not a reckless pick, though. I, I really don't I'm think just, it is. I'm just being silly. That one... No, you are reckless. Let's, yes. let's go ahead and yes. throw that out there. That, no, we need, really we need to make sure that we like hammer that point home as much as we can. But yes. This particular pick is, is, in my eyes, a pick them a little bit. I think Delize is wildly underrated. Mm. All right. Yeah. So next up, we have oof, Tai Tuivasa and, and Sergey Pavlovich. God. Okay, so so Pavlovich, heavy hitter. I mean, this is this is a great fight because you're seeing two dudes that love to come forward, have massive power. His only professional loss overall was 2018 against aged Alistair Overeem. Now I know, I know, it, it's not prime Overeem. It was you know chinny and inconsistent Overeem, but he managed to fight smart. He managed to use that veteran experience to utilize his grappling and use his hand traps and everything else to get the fight where he needed it. And that was good. Problem is, man, like, I want to pick Tuivasa, but I'm having a bit of the same problem that I had when he fought Derek Lewis. You know, it's like, if he can make it a brawl, then he's got a far better chance. And as we saw, that's exactly how the fight went. And and that's kind of how, like, the, much like the Greg Hardy knockout, right? If mm -hmm. Ty can get you to play, uh, to get reckless like I do with my picks, then you are going to have a very short night. And you're not walking away with a win bonus. I think that maybe Pavlovich is going to be a little more measured than some of the other, uh, some of the more recent wins that Ty's had, but I don't want to count Ty out, you know, because he's also showing a few wrinkles. He's also showing that he's, he's got uh, some layers to his striking. I just don't like the fact that he's also too reliant on taking hits uh, and, and sort of leading with his chin on some of these. Like, again, I always ask, how many of those over the course of your career do you think you're going to be able to eat? before this sort of thing starts to weigh on you and, and set you back. And I think he's kind of probably there, you know. Um, Pavlovich is going to stun him. He's definitely going to catch him with something. But I'm I'm still going with my heart pick. It's not the smart pick. I'm going to go with Taito Ivasa. 
I'm also going with Tuivasa, and so is Mookie. Um, have you seen the pictures of Tuivasa for this camp? I have not. No, oh is God. he uh, is he an Instagram model at this point now? Is he, is he, he looking? Uh, he's looks, looking mighty thick. No, he looks felt like he dropped about twenty twenty five pounds. He looks slim and trim. Like maybe his cardio is gonna go for twenty rounds. Okay, well, yeah. let's hope so. Yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised to see that his muffin top is about half the, what it lo- normally looks like. Mm, yeah, okay. he. we'll put it like this. It rolled across my timeline. This is how I saw it. Somebody had quote tweeted the picture and said, Ty is looking like a light heavy. Okay. Yeah, and he does. He does. I'll, I'll send you the picture after the show. But All right. Anyways, we are going to move on to... A hell of a fight. Absolute certified banger. 125, Mateus Nicolau versus Matt Schnell. Good God, that's a fight. I love it. I want. I wanted to pick Nicolau at first because he's slick and he's got um, very, very sneaky grappling, very good technical setups for his entries and his submissions, and at least his positional control is really good. But Matt Schnell, man, he's so tough to put away. I just – and this is Nicolau's second run in the UFC. I mean he managed to come roaring back. And even though his last recent wins have been decisions, like that does not mean in any way that he's not a threat. Problem is though, man, you look at the way that, that Schnell weathered that storm against Murder G back in July. Um, yeah, he, he might have something. He might be cooking with some with some spice right here. But then uh, he also looked back to his losses against Tyson Nat, or sorry, against uh, Bontorin and Brandon Royval, and I'm thinking, well, shit, if you get somebody that's close to or as sharp as you are on the ground, what is it going to look like with your striking? What if you end up with a guy who is not going to come in here like he's been shot out of a can and then waste his cardio by round two? Um, I. I kind of think this is going to be a little close. And for that reason, I, again, smart money probably going to be on Schnell, but I'm going to go with Nicolau. Smart money is actually on Nicolau. <laughs> okay. All right. So you, you're playing it good today. Mookie and I are also taking Nicolau. I think this is a banger of a fight. You do always have to look out for Schnell because it is impossible to put the guy away on almost. That comeback, man, against Suman Energy was just bonkers. That there's a reason it's my favorite fight this year. So, but I am going to take Nicolau because, as Victor says, that is the smart money. All right, we're getting into co-main event territory. Rafael dos Anjos taking on Brian Barbarina. Up your nose with a rubber hose, bop bop mm. bop Barbarino. <laughs> stop stop we ain't got to do all this come on now all right now we just saw we just saw barbarina pull off a just how would you categorize that stoppage against lawler what word should we use never extravagant happened. i give you two words never mm-hmm. happened oh okay all right we're Forget doing that now. who are you talking to here and what robbie lawler means yeah no this is true okay so so seeing that right that was that was an eye-opener seeing how he was able to take it and give it back and and pull off the improbable but you know he's going in there against dos años who is a hardened veteran who is very complete and now much more comfortable at welterweight because he's not having to cut down so much sure he lost to fiziev but you look at the manner in which he handled Moicano. You look at the way that he defeated Felder back in 2020. Um, I kind of feel like maybe he's going to have, again, more weapons, more options, and more ways to fluster Barbarena. And eventually it's going to be one of those things where down the stretch he starts to wear him down and eventually gain that sort of control for a nifty uh, decision win. So I'm going to have to go with the old hand here. All right. Both Mookie and I are taking RDA, and for the obvious reasons, he just doesn't lose to anybody that's not in the top three. I can't see him losing to Barbarina, but I mean, at the same time, Barbarina pulls off the improbable fair bit, so... He might do it. He's got a really, really good chance. It would shock me. I can't say it wouldn't shock me if he did. It would shock me, because I I feel like Rafael de Sanjos is in rarefied air still even at his age he's still competing at a high high level and i just think it might be a little bit unachievable for barbarina but 
We'll have to see. Now we get to the main event. Steven Thompson taking on Kevin Holland. Mookie and I are both taking Kevin Holland. Hmm. Yeah, I... Dude, okay, so Wonder Boy... Uh, and and may the may the ghost of Luca Bordone forgive me. Um, he's good, man. He's really good, but he's riding two losses, two uh, decision losses here that were um, kind of tough, you know, because he he did a lot that was that was right. But I kind of think that Kevin Holland's the kind of guy who's not going to let him get in his comfort zone. And at that same time that I say that, I kind of feel like Thompson might be able to figure out Holland. I think he might be able to figure out his boxing and be able to keep the range and sort of uh, have more exchanges at his preferred um, length and reach uh, range. I, I kind of feel like that's really where things are going to be. And, and look, Holland's got good use of range, too. Um, problem is that he have the, he doesn't have the same variety of strikes. Does he have the same preparation to see what this dude's going to throw at him? Because the thing about Thompson is that he's really good at disguising some of those kicks, especially those that go to the body. And I don't know that I'm not sure. I, I don't really feel like um, this is going to be a walk in the park for either guy. I do want to pick Holland, though. I don't know that maybe Thompson's a little long in the tooth. I think maybe he's been figured out, too. So I'm kind of imagining that there is like some sort of way that him and his team might have um, figured some stuff out and, and made this have made the uh, sort of um, recent resurgence in, in Holland's career something that um, that that could work here as well. I'm not sure. I, I kind of. Oh, God, I'm torn on this one. You know what? Whatever. I said, I talked a lot of shit, and I've said enough already. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland. Who cares? <laughs> well, we're all going with Kevin Holland. So there we go. Thing. Anyway, so to recap our picks, uh, there is only one pick difference. Oh, my God, Victor, why are you always the dissenting voice? Dulize. Mm-hmm. Delize is our one dissenting pick. Victor's going with Delize, and Mookie and I are going with Jack Hermanson. The rest of our picks are identical. And if you want them, I'm not even going to go out and say them all over again. You're going to have to listen. That's what you're going to have to do. And you're also going to have to follow Victor on Twitter because he's awesome. I mean, as long as we have Twitter, sure. <laughs> Don't worry. Bank of America and the Saudis are going to take over soon at this rate. But, but I'll still be there. Why not? Vic m rodriguez you get tons of what you just heard today all the time follow him on instagram too because he has an obscene amount of food porn on there so you want to definitely check that out and that is victor sinister rodriguez on instagram follow mookie on twitter at mookie alexander and check him out where he works which is sb nation's field goals website so if you're a seattle seahawks fan go visit mookie over there you can find victor and i's work over on bloody elbow and if you listen to the pre-recorded outro you can find out where you can listen to this show and all the other great bloody elbow presents podcasts so until next time please stay safe Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com <laughs>